But we're in this series called Fruit of the Spirit. I was going to call it this or that, but then I just thought that was lame. So I called it Inside Out. And I think I even put a slide in the sermon notes there, Chad. All it says is Inside Out. Um, but it's got lots of fun colors on it. And maybe that'll just keep your attention because, you know, Pastor Gary can be really boring sometimes. If it's not there, if I forgot to actually put it there, just say so, Chad. I forgot to tell him ahead of time that I put it in there to put it up. Should be right after the kids' video. Do you ever feel like you're just staring at nothing? <laughs> it's all good. There was a little tagline on there. I just can't remember. I didn't put it in my notes, and I want to see if it's there. It's all good. You got the point. It's inside out. You'll remember it now. The whole point of putting it on the screen so you remember it, and so now you'll remember. Inside out. When I confess my sin to Jesus, when I give him my struggles, he is faithful and he is just to forgive me of my sins and do what? Cleanse us from all wickedness. And so he is willing and he is able, if I am willing to confess, if I actually say to him, I need you, God, here is where I need you. He's willing to forgive, which is amazing. Not only that, he's willing to make me new again, which is incredible. But not only that, he's actually willing to transform me into something completely different so I don't go back to the way that I was before. That is what I call good news. How many want to go back to the way they lived before? You know, sometimes that seems pretty good. Sometimes that seems pretty easy. But the reality is, is God, when I confess my sin to him, he changes me on the inside. He transforms my life and makes me to a place where I never have to go back to who I was before. That to me is good news. And I, I hope that you would share that excitement and that joy with me today. But he is faithful even when I'm not. When Christ is formed in us, it means he is personally going to be duplicated inside of us. We know that Jesus came to this earth, born as a man, fully God and fully man, and he came as a perfect sacrifice. He was without sin, which made him worthy to die for us, which made him worthy to stand before God. And that same characteristic of Jesus now lives inside you and me, where we can be worthy to stand before God, where we can come together in this room, where we can sing songs together. He makes us worthy. How many know that I can do some, I mean, not me personally, but if you were to ask yourself, you could think, apart from God, I could probably do anything that I want, good or bad, or even ugly. Because that's the reality. Apart from God, I can do anything. Apart from God, and I don't want to do anything. Because doing what I want, doing anything, always leads to a path of destruction. Maybe a temporary joy, a temporary high, or, or this and that, but it'll always come crashing down farther and farther and farther. I need Jesus. And if I need him, I recognize in Galatians 2.20 says that I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. As we head into the fruit of the Spirit, we're into number three today. Two weeks ago, we talked about love. Last week, we talked about joy. You can listen to those on the website if you missed them, terracebay.church slash podcast, and you can catch up or get ahead. But you don't need to listen to those ones to get to this one. That's all I'm saying. But the fruit of the Spirit, it produces in us lives that are marked by the fruit of God. Produces in us characteristics that reflect the characters of who Jesus, excuse me, is. And so go to Galatians this morning, chapter 5, 13 to 26. And if you haven't got this memorized by now, like I don't, because even though I read it a hundred times a week, it seems like I still think it's good for us to read it again. But from Galatians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 says this. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This says forbearance. Sometimes it's patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we walk by the Spirit, Paul tells us, and just before we get to this passage, Paul tells us that if we walk by the Spirit, we no longer gratify or satisfy the desires of the flesh. We all have them. We all have this feeling inside of us that tells us what we want to do. That's what feels good. Just do it. That's what feels right. Just do it. But what if what feels isn't what God is? If God's not inside of your heart, if God's not inside of you, then how do you know if it's good or not? You'll know it's good when you measure it up against the characteristics of God. And so there's things in my life that I still, I work through and I say, you know, I just, I feel like this is the right thing. I feel that this is what I want to do. My feelings don't really matter in light of who God is. Because God is more concerned with who I am than how I feel. God is more concerned with who I'm becoming rather than who I feel or what I feel or I want to do. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God himself can't help but reflect within us who God is. Maybe you've never thought of yourself as a mirror before. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever done this before or seen it on TV or in a movie or something, when, you know, if there's, there's like spies or you're playing hide and seek and you, or paintball or something, you're trying to communicate with with another team and you get these little mirrors out and you reflect the light. And once you see the glimmer of light, you know, it's go time. Anyone ever do that? Or am I just weird? All right. So maybe I'm just, just weird, but it's like that reflection, you know, it's, you know, it's go time. It's time to go. You're reflecting something. Uh, we have this like projector or projecting onto this, nothing under this wall. Just, we are a reflection of who God is. How many would agree this morning, if you were to look around our world, our world could use a little bit more love, a little bit more joy. Our world can certainly use a little bit more peace. These are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Our world could use a little bit more of God. Not in a way that brings division, but in a way that brings unity, that brings life, and that brings peace. Maybe you've never thought of yourself as that mirror before, but it's exactly who you are when you choose to follow Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit tells us that God is far more concerned with who we are rather than what we are or what we are doing. That's what the slide was going to tell you if it was going to work. If you can't see it there, if you go to the website and you go to the podcast, you'll see it there. But God is more concerned with who you are rather than what you do, where you go, or even how you do it. Because who you are will determine your next steps. Who you are will determine what kinds of things that you do. You know, some people say to me, Pastor Gary, I'm really not very good with anything, or I don't know how I can help. I, I don't know if I'm really good at this or good at that. And I, I tend to respond with, I don't really care. Do it anyway. And then I also respond with, I don't really want you to do that because you can do that. I want you to do that because of who you are. I want people around you to know, to, I want people to be around you because who you are is who God wants you to be. Who you are is who God is reflecting himself through you. And I want people to experience God through you. And so, I mean, God gives us gifts and abilities and certain things that other people don't have and vice versa. And we're going to get to that in the spring when we get into spiritual gifts and practical gifts and all of these things. But for right now, God is more concerned about who we are rather than what it is we're going 
to do. We're planning to go on this missions trip within this next year, within this next season. Extremely exciting. And people say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we don't have all the answers yet. We're still working with our, our global workers in Tanzania and, and all of these things, working on the skills of our team and so on and so forth. But the reality is, is we're going to go over there and we're just going to be the people that God has called us to be. We're going to show his love. We're going to show his joy. We're going to show his peace and so on and so forth. Because our world needs a little bit more God. Our world needs a little bit more patience and peace and joy and love. Now, we're jumping into peace today. Did you know that peace is found over 80 times in the New Testament? Also, did you know that the word peace is also mentioned in every single book of the New Testament? From Matthew right to Revelation, peace is mentioned. I think that, means it's significant, that makes it a pretty significant and notable concept. Peace, by the way, is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. It's being well in turbulent times. It's being well when the world around you is not. It's being well when the circumstances of your life are not. We sang it in our song today. You know, I said it from the front. God, you are good. You are good. You are good. It is well with my soul. You know, we might walk out these doors today and we might hit reality by the time we hit the car, by the time we get to our home or Monday morning comes, we walk into work or maybe tonight and the reality comes or the bill comes in the mail and we go, oh, right, I got reality to hit and it's turbulent, it's hard, it's difficult. Having the peace of God is in the absence of those conflicts, is in the absence of those hard times. Having the peace of God is being well in the middle of those situations. Holy Spirit takes control of heart, mind, and your will. The spiritual peace of being spiritually well is associated with righteousness and with truth. When God cleanses us from who we once were, when he makes us new, he brings us to a place where we don't have to worry, where we don't have to worry about anything. You know, uh, this past Wednesday was Bell Let's Talk the day where the big corporation talks about mental illness and tries to fight against the stigma of people who deal with mental illness, depression, anxiety, whatever else. And it's an incredibly important day. And, and Wednesday night, we had a, a nice chat with our young people about, uh, about Bell Let's Talk. And so some of them, you know, they talked about it at school. They shared their stories, and they shared what they knew about it. And really sort of good, healthy conversation. And I share with them this verse that says, Do not be anxious about anything. You know, there was, we've had some, some young people that come through and they say, I have, you know, I have a lot, a lot of problems with anxiety. You know, I just, I get worried and I just get worked up and, and we come to this verse. I said, not that giving them a verse solves everything, but it's at least knowing that there's a God who cares and a God is with me. It says, do not be anxious about anything except by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. He wants to be with you and he wants you to be well. He wants you to have well-being in the middle of the chaos. And as we choose to serve and follow him, as we choose to allow him to cleanse us, as we choose to allow him to transform who we are from the inside out, when the world starts getting chaotic, when life starts to become a mess, and trust me, there's, there's times coming where if it's, maybe it's really good right now, there's going to be a valley, and a, a valley that's coming. There's going to be a river you're going to have to cross, but there's no mountain high, no valley low, no river wide enough, baby, that'll keep me from getting to you, babe. Okay, you're with me. Good. 
You're going to face junk. I was going to say crap, but my wife is here and she'd get mad at me. You're going to face junk in your life. You're going to face things in your life that aren't going to be peaceful. But yet, in the middle of that chaos, you're going to be able to stand firm in your faith and know my God is with me, his spirit is inside of me, and I am well. It arises out of God's grace. It's not an absence of conflict. When the spirit of love is present, there is joy. And when there's joy in a person, there naturally begins to produce peace. So we start at the beginning, and we're working our way through the end of this, this whole list here. We have love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not just one or the other, but it's all of the above. But there's a bit of a progression to it, because really, as you start to love, how can you not, how, I mean, when you start to love someone, I mean, some people don't like it, but most people, how do they respond when you show them love? Usually they put a smile on their face. Overwhelmed. Corey just did a really good example back there. You can ask him to do it later. But they're over on this, there's, there's kindness, joy. There's joy that comes when, when, when someone receives a little bit of love. And when that person receive, receives joy, what does that do to you? Puts a smile back on your face. A little bit more love and a little bit more joy. And when there's joy, when there's love, peace just seems to be a natural progression. Just seems to just come as we move closer in the spirit. When scripture begins talking about peace, it's not just the lack of conflict. I've said that about five times now and I'll probably say it again, but I want us to understand. I want to get into our mind this morning. Sometimes you might be in conflict with one another. We'll address that in just a minute. Uh, maybe you have some sort of conflict this week. Maybe you're Maybe you're stuck in a room by yourself. You think, I'm just going to get away from everything, and then there'll be no conflict. But then you have to decide, am I going to eat Pizza Hut or Taco Bell? Am I going to go surfing? Am I going to go water skiing? You still have conflict. You still have decisions that you have to make. You still have the inner side of you going, even though I'm alone, I can still feel the temptation to do the things that gratify and satisfy my flesh versus the things of the Spirit. No matter where we go, there's going to be conflict, whether it's inside of us or outside of us. And we're going to have to find peace in the middle of it. Jesus tells us in John that he has overcome the world. He has overcome the flesh and he lives within you. And you say, that's great, pastor, but I still have conflict and I need to experience peace. Help me. How does one have peace? Um, what do we write on tombstones? Rest in, how many want to wait that long? We could probably arrange it sooner than later. How do I actually experience this peace? That's the question. Well, in scripture, the idea of peace, or maybe you've heard the word shalom before, good, good Hebrew greeting, simply means wholeness. It's fruit of the spirit. It can be interpreted as tranquility, Concord, unity, or as we said, shalom, a salutation, expressive good wishes, and a blessing. You know, it's funny, you go to one of the most controversial, most conflict-ridden places in the world, in the Middle East, and the Hebrew greeting for one another is peace. It's a little bit of irony there. We could get into that probably another day. It's more than irony. But it simply means, I wish the very best for you. I wish God's greatest blessings for your life. I wish that you would be well. And maybe my presence here would make you well. That's peace. 
If joy is bliss and true happiness, peace is the after effect of joy and the perpetual effect that joy can have on us. Because when we're having a good day, when we feel the joy, what do we want? We want the other people to be happy with us. Because you don't want anyone to be that mood killer. You know, you walk into work and there's, uh, there's, uh, there's grumpy Gus over there. You know, he's always grumpy because he's grumpy Gus. There's Oscar the Grouch. He's always, gr- of course he's a grouch. You keep calling him a grouch. Sorry. Sesame Street lives forever. Peace can mean well-being. This is the big definition. This one stood out to me. Having peace means that I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose in life. If I were to ask you if you're fulfilling your purpose in life this morning, um, I, really hope that you, I really hope that you are. It means you're living out your dreams, not living in just a fantasy world. We try to find peace in all kinds of ways. Right? We'll just go binge watch a series on Netflix, just out of reality. We'll, we'll go on a vacation, which there's nothing wrong. I love vacations. We go on vacations every year. There's nothing wrong with it. But we go and we say, oh, we're going to go escape reality, but it's temporary. You know, we can get lost in a video game. We can get lost in the bush on purpose to try to escape reality. But that's still not living at true peace. Again, nothing wrong with those things. I'm Whatever. Maybe you like to go on a road trip and just drive. And you know, it's good. We need that rest. We need that change and all this and that. But we can't just escape reality and expect that we're going to have peace because the peace that God wants for your life isn't a temporary, isn't a temporary thing. He wants a permanent lifestyle of peace within you. We could talk about the life of Jesus all day and the things that he did, but he walked through some pretty intense moments in his life. He walked through some pretty intense situations, dealt with conflict all the time, and yet he was always at peace. He knew his mission. He knew he was fulfilling the purpose of his life here on this earth. Having, Having peace means, excuse me, having a sense of wholeness and balance and well-being. Peace, like this definition, I think, can give us a really good compass for our lives. Do I feel like I'm fulfilling the purpose that God has laid out for my life? I know I said it's about who we are, not what we do, but what we do comes out of who we are. When we serve God, there should be a fulfilling sense that we know that we're doing what God has called us to do. We're not living in the fantasy world. If we're not quite there yet, let's get there. You know, it's not necessarily something that happens overnight. You don't just, it doesn't just, you know, flip a switch. It's a process over time. So if we're not there, let's, let's get you there. Let's get you to the place where you know that you're exactly where God needs you to be. Because we want you to be at peace. It serves as a great compass for us. Let's look at at three different things about what peace means for us. Number one, peace is being comfortable in our identity. Peace is being comfortable in our identity. You know, when I was writing this down, I was thinking of, I think it's a theme song from CSI, Who Are You? Is that who it is? Who, who, who? I know it's not just the theme song. That's what kept going through my mind. But the question was, is who are you? Who are you? Who is, who is Gary? Having peace means we're comfortable with who we are, no longer trying to be like somebody else. You know, you, you know we do this, we, I, think we do, I think we all do this at some point. We compare ourselves to other people. I, I mean, I do this. I compare myself with other pastors. You know, Pastor John in Marathon, like he's doing this and this, and maybe I should be doing this or that, or, or my friend down in, in, in X, wherever they are, this 
people all over. The, I know people all over the place. You know, uh, maybe, you know, if I could just pastor a church like them or if they could or better then it gets worse because then you put yourself on the pedestal or maybe, you know, it'd be cool if they could pastor a church like I do. I like to brag about you guys when I meet with pastors. So, you know, if everyone could pastor a church like this, we'd, it would be amazing. But anyways, we compare ourselves all the time. If I could only be like so-and-so, well, God didn't call you to be like so-and-so. Otherwise, he would have made you so-and-so. God has made each and every one of us unique. He says he formed us in your mother's room. You're uniquely made. You're intricately woven. God has a purpose and a plan for you and nobody else. Nobody else can do or be the person that God wants you to be. Now, we can look up to role models and mentors and, and, and all of these things and to, and to leaders, and those are good. They will help us become the person that God wants us to be. But having peace is being comfortable in your identity. Realistically, how many of us are driven in life by what others think of us? I mean, that's... I want people to like me. I mean, personally, I, I thrive when people like me. When I do things and people are like, I really like that he did that. And I really, he just, Gary's a really nice guy. I really like him. I like hearing that. So it's easy to become a people pleaser. Oh, I'll do whatever I can to make you happy and make you like me. God didn't call us to get people to like us. Although they probably will because you're really good and likable people. But we're still driven by this motive, what other people think of us. We're still trying to get someone's approval. In this approach, there's no fixed center of rest in our heart. We're always searching. We're not at peace. We're not well. We're not fulfilling who God wants us to be. We're trying to be somebody else. We're trying to, to win our approval for somebody else. Now, we could get into the psychology. You could probably spend hours with a counselor about this. I'm not that person. I could refer you to somebody if you need to. But, but this is kind of a big deal. Who am I? Remember, it's no longer I who live. Who lives within me? Christ. Christ lives within me. Number two, peace is resolving hostility in our life. This is a big one. This one we might spend a little bit of time on. This one might hit in our hearts a little bit more. Peace is resolving the hostility in our life. The person of peace is continually resolving hostility especially bringing resolve to those who are against them. Uh, there were the people that Jesus said to forgive. He says, uh, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who bring harm to you. Resolve the issue in your own heart. Praying for enemies or difficult people in your life or someone that you just don't like is a game changer. Think of somebody, and we could probably all think of someone that drives us crazy, that annoys us. Maybe you can even think of someone that has hurt you or someone that is continually hurting you, is destructive. What would happen if you begin to start praying for that person? Say, God, I pray for the peace of God for their life. What does peace mean? I pray for the blessings, the well-being of this person. It's beginning to resolve conflict in your own life. Begin to resolve the hostility in your own life. Praying blessings over your enemies and speaking well of them, that's not something that you're going to learn and do naturally. That's something that we need the power of God to help us with. Because the moment we try to do it on ourselves, what, what do I want to do to the people that have hurt me? I want to, or, or as a parent, what do I want to do to the people that hurt my kids? 
I told you this story a while ago. One of the neighborhood kids, and I don't know, what, I don't remember what the whole story was, but I remember how I felt. You know, they were excluding them or making fun of them. They pushed them. I wanted to go punch that kid in the face. Now, it doesn't look good if the pastor's a pun- if pastor's punching anybody in the face, not let alone a four-year-old. He's tough. He can handle it. That's what I want to do. That's, that's the feeling that I have inside of me. When someone hurts my kid, my wife tells me she used to work in mental health and she had crazy patients and, you know, they couldn't help it. And I can't remember the situation, but I told her, I said, I'm going to go to that hospital. I'm going to beat the crap out of that guy. And he was a patient. He couldn't help it. That's, but that's how it feels. That's what I want to do. I want my revenge. I want to get back at the, you hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. That's what I want to do. Is that a lot of peace in my life in that moment? No, there's not a lot of peace in my life at that moment. But that's my feelings. That's who I am in the flesh. But I no longer live. Christ lives within me. So what should I do? What should I do in that moment? Do the hardest thing that I could possibly do. Is find a way to forgive. And if I... Not quite ready to say that, at least I can begin to pray to God. If I can't talk about the person, I can at least begin to pray to God. And say, Father, I need your help. Father, I, I, I give you this person. Lord, I pray a blessing over their life. I pray joy over their life. And when we begin to, to wrap our mind, if you want to go back to January 12th's message, we talked about how to pray. The moment we start to pray and we follow sort of the steps of the Our Father, when we remember who we're talking to, we begin to remember how God sees people. And so when God sees his children fighting and hurting one another, you know, I may feel the hostility and the anger towards that person, but God feels love towards them. God looks at their life and he sees value just the same way he sees mine. He's like, just because you got more of your life together, Gary, doesn't make you any better than anybody else. Because you're only here because I said you're here. You're only as good as you are because of me anyway. Offering to pray for someone that has hurt you, that annoys you, to me is a major milestone in a believer's life. When you can find, again, maybe it's a process. Maybe it takes time to get there, and that's okay. But take the steps to get there, because what it does is it brings you to a place of freedom. It brings you to a place where you don't have to live under the control of that other person anymore. When the moment you begin to forgive, I mean, we used to say, what's the phrase? Forgive and forget. How many here have forgot? What do you do? When you forget, you don't forget, you remember, but every time that memory comes up in your mind again, what do you do? You forgive again. Maybe you don't have to physically say it to the person, but when that comes up in your mind again, you forgive. And when it comes up 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, forgive again. There's only one person who really forgets because because that's our Heavenly Father. And he says, he's thrown our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's like really far, by the way. Forgiveness equals freedom. 
Taking the time to pray and to forgive those who have hurt us releases us from trying to impress them, for trying to compare ourselves with them. You fill in the blank. It removes us from their control. It removes us from the power they hold over us. Because I am free in Jesus. I am free to be the person that God has saved me to be. By living in unforgiveness, not really a word, but I'm making it one, we are living as if we are still trying to get their approval. It's holding us back. Jesus called you out of the grave. He died and rose so you could be free from that slavery, so you could be free from that sin, so you could be free from that burden. He lives within you so that you can have the peace, that you can have the wellness, not to allow your past to keep dragging you back. Because if you fail to forgive, that past is going to drag you back again and again and again and again and again and again and again until you're finally willing to let it go. Until you're finally willing to forgive. Sometimes we think it means that we're letting that person get off. Well, you don't know what they did to me, Pastor Gary. You don't know the situation. You're right, I probably don't. But I know that there is a day where we all stand before the throne room of God, who is the great judge and who is fair. And if I were to allow God to look at my life and judge me on the things that I have done or haven't done, I know that I would, I would, I would fail pretty quick. And when Jesus comes into my life and God looks at me as the judge and he looks at all the things that I've done and at the end of the line he looks at and he says, but hey, but hey, I see that you have a savior. I see that you've received Jesus. I see that he has made you new. I see that he's made you whole again. So come on into my family. We all stand before the throne one day. Maybe you don't know what I've been through, but Jesus knows the path to the freedom. You know, imagine him standing, standing, imagine him hanging from that cross. You know, the people in front of him are mocking him, they're spitting at him, they're teasing him. They just finished beating him, they just finished yelling, crucify, 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 and he looks out over the crowd, he looks at the soldiers that are persecuting him, and what are his words? Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He stands there in this moment of forgiveness. There's a lot of fear and unrest in our world today. Some of that fear and unrest is between us, and we need to resolve that. Sometimes that means taking the first step. Maybe, you've, maybe the person's not apologetic at all, but you need to take that first step in your heart and just, and just tell yourself, I forgive. I'm no longer going to let this hold me back. Maybe you're in conflict with somebody and maybe they don't even know it. Maybe you need to have a conversation with that person and bring a resolve to the situation. Because believe it or not, when people get together, there's going to be conflict. Uh, some of the worst conflict is probably family. <laughs> it's tension. It's hard. You know, you want to do things this way. I want to do things this way. And conflict. But you can never go wrong with with forgiveness. Because when I look at them, I say, I want God's best for your life. Shalom. I want peace for your life. I want there to be peace between us. And I want to help you. And I want you to help me live the life that God has called me to live. Peace is resolving hostility in our life. 
you know, there's lots of unrest in our world about uh, the coronavirus that's going around. Um, you know, it's a pretty serious deal, a lot of unrest, a lot of worry, a lot of discrimination, a lot of, a lot of hate, a lot of doubt. Let's let God's peace resolve the hostility in our life. Trust that God will take care of you even if you end up. It's not bad to take preventative measures. It's not bad to, to do the things that you need to do, but we don't need to worry. We don't need to be anxious about anything. All right, let's go to the lighter-hearted one. Are you ready? Number three, God's peace resolves stress. The person at peace, God is helping resolve stress. There's responsibilities, there's pressures, but God is in control. God can help us live with the strength that we need for today. It's so refreshing to know that I can sit back and let Jesus take control. I don't have to fight, I don't have to worry, I don't have to push myself in an unhealthy way. Good to have motivation. But like the psalmist says, and let me keep at the front here, be still and know that I am God. I can be the person that God has made me to be. I can have as many or as little talents, but I can be at peace with who I am in whatever situation I find myself. We're focusing on life change and transformational work of the Holy Spirit. And even I was thinking of opportunities that God has used me in my own life and not just situations. He's helped me. Like, I don't, I don't tend to worry a lot. Like, there's moments that I, I maybe get worked up, but I, I definitely, I tend to not worry a lot. And so what I've noticed is that rubs off on people. And so every, every year I go and I help at our district conference, the last few years I have, and instead of just attending the conference, our, our pastors get together, I just said to the leadership, I said, hey, especially, like, Elizabeth's not here with me, can I just, can I do something? Can I work? Can I serve, volunteer, whatever? And they always say yes, because everyone likes free help. But I got to know the, uh, our district superintendent, his, uh, his assistant, I got to know her quite well. And so the last few years I've worked with her, uh, you know, through voting and all, like, all kinds of different things. Just, she's like, Hey, I need 10 guys to, to move some chairs and tables. And so I go find 10 guys and I do it. And I, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty low key. I don't worry. I'm pretty relaxed. And so we're in the meeting in the business meeting and the computer stuff's not working, the voting stuff's not working, or it's just, there's some bugs to get worked out and, and the stress in the room's going up and up and up. And so I get to stand there quietly because I'm not in charge. I don't have to worry because that's not my responsibility, which is a really nice place to be sometimes. But I got to be there and I just got to say, hey, look, I'm here. Whatever you need me to do, I can do. And just the calmness in the voice, the calmness of the presence, it makes a world of a difference for a person. We all need to be that person for someone, or we all need that person in our lives sometimes. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us, when we allow ourselves to serve and put ourselves in a position to let God be reflected through us, it brings a little bit more peace to our world. It brings a little bit more joy and a bit more love to the people around us. And we all know our world could use a little bit more of that. Living in peace means we're content with exactly what God has given us, where God has taken us, how God is using us, and who God is making us. What God has given us, where he has taken us, how he is using us, and who God is making us. John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I challenge us today, we can either choose to live by the flesh, 
satisfy our desires, be the people who we once were, or we can choose to serve God and allow his spirit to come alive in us. Does anyone know what day it is today? Groundhog Day. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not really concerned with the Super Bowl at the moment. That's later. You can get excited after church about the Super Bowl. You can be excited in church, but... The only reason I say that is my message did not relate to the Super Bowl today. The losing team will have to have some peace about Anyways, whatever. I can make it work. But today is Groundhog Day. Now, has anyone ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Just to the stories, he lives the day over and over and over again, right? So my, this is my thing on Groundhog Day for you today, just for you to take home for free, is don't keep reliving your past day in and day out. Don't keep doing things the same way you've always done them, expecting to get a different result. Don't keep bringing up the past again and again and again and again, because if you do that, you will not be living out the life of peace that God has called you to live. Take a step of faith. Make a change in your life that brings a positive resolution. If you want a good story about peace, I encourage you to read Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. Here's the quick version. Jesus has been busy all day long, teaching, performing miracles. He's tired. He's spoken to thousands of people, and he just, he needs rest. And they have, they have a meeting they got to get to in another location, and, and the people are just following. Everywhere he goes, the people are following. And so he says, guys, let's get into this boat, and we're going to get to the other side. And in the time that I'm in the boat, I'm going to rest Because there's no other people around. Mark tells us there's some other boats, but there's no one else in Jesus' boat except him and his disciples. The crowds are are moving on the land, and Jesus says, I know that when I get there, there's going to be more work to be done. I need to rest. Then we find Jesus in his life. What does he do? he's He's either eating with someone, because food is important. Food is a good bridge. He's working ministry, praying for doing things, healing. He's praying or he's sleeping. He's either working, praying, eating, or sleeping. That's pretty, pretty simple concept. He gets into this boat and he's like, I need to rest. My body physically is tired and needs to have this moment. We have places to be, so I know that we're going to get to the other side. In the middle of this journey, a storm comes up. I don't know if you've ever been caught on Lake Superior in a storm before, but it's not exactly where I'd want to be. Even in some of the big ships, it can be pretty dicey out there. And it says in Mark, the water starts pouring over the boat and starts filling the boat up with water. And the disciples are getting more and more concerned and more and more worried. And they can't believe that Jesus is sleeping in the boat. How can he be at peace? How can he be at rest? How can he be experiencing this? We're about to die. Like, if something doesn't happen, we are going to die. So finally they say, you wake him up. No, you wake him up. No, you wake him up. You know, they go back and forth. And they finally decide to wake him up. And he gets angry (laughs) with them. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
Uh, I was thinking I've shared this before, but I found the person who said it. Grace Murray Hopper said, a ship in port is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. A ship in port is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. You know, we're going to walk out of these doors and we're going to hit reality. And we're going to be able to bring a little bit more peace, a little bit more love, a little bit more joy, a little bit more God to the world around us this week. We're going to be able to share a little bit more kindness, a little bit more gentleness, even a little bit more patience for some of us. That's going to be the hard one next week. If you don't want to talk about it, don't come next week or just leave when I start speaking. Maybe one of you should, I probably shouldn't do next week. We're going to encounter situations that are going to be stressful. People are going to be freaking out. They're going to, chaos is going to happen. And we're going to have the opportunity just to walk into that space and be calm, be peaceful, full of love and full of joy. We can choose to live in fear or doubt or we can choose to live in the light.